Alright, be honest. How many of you have ever struggled with a birthday? A birthday, be honest. The rest of you are lying. Raise your hands high. Alright, now, it, it may not be the fact that you turned a certain age, okay? I think it has more to do with where you are in life. So how many of you have struggled with maybe turning 30? Okay, turning 40? Turning 50? Turning 60? Some of you had your hands up for a long time. Um, have you ever noticed the people in their 70s? This is so funny. Like the person like is 71, just had a birthday like last week. And they'll tell you, I'll be 72 in 11 and a half months. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, people who hit 70 always look forward like to the next one. Like I did it. I made it. Um, I've only had one birthday that I really dreaded. And I, it was because of where I was in life. At age 26, um, I had my full, first full-time church deal. And um, I'm working with the pastor and several other elders. And there was all this sexual immorality and all this toxic thing. And I, I've gone through school. I've gone through internships. I went through all this. And I thought, I did not sign up for this. And so at age 26, I was absolutely miserable. And I, I can remember that's the only birthday in my entire life that I really dreaded. And I, I had a dream inside of me to be a part of a church where everybody loved each other. There were no politics. And elders were great. And staff leaned in. And, and the, this, this, this is a dream for me. But at 26, I almost quit before I really even got started. Because I was so distraught with that. Well, Moses is now 80 years old. And he's had 40 bad birthdays, okay? 40 bad birthdays in a row. Because at age 40, 40 years before this, at age 40, he kills a man. Moses is the deliverer. He knows he is to be the deliverer. But he takes matters into his own hands. And because he killed an Egyptian, Pharaoh puts a mark on him. And Pharaoh is out to kill him. And Moses then runs away. And he runs from Egypt all the way over to Midian. Midian is western Iran. He runs a long, long way away from where he was. And Moses is trying to run away from his hurts and from his life. And he is absolutely miserable. And he, he believes that because of his mistakes, he's washed up. He believes that God won't use him anymore. He's done. He's done serving God. God's done with him. It is over, Rover. He's finished. I'm talking to some people in this room today who've made some pretty good mistakes. You've gone off the reservation in a very unhealthy way. And, and you believe that because of some of your choices and some of your unhealthy decisions that just perhaps... You're now disqualified from certain service, and God's not going to use you again. And so for 40 bad birthdays, Moses is out there wandering in the wilderness, taking care of some sheep. And while he's out there taking care of the sheep, God shows up to him. Now, I want us to catch this. This is not a book about Moses. The book of Exodus is not a story about Moses. The book of Exodus is a story about God. It is how God is going to work through Moses. Now, I want you to understand this right at the get-go. Your life is really not about you. You may think it's about you, 
But your life really isn't about you. Your story is really a God story through you. How can God work in you? How can God work among you? No matter how many mistakes, how many things you've missed or misrepresented, God, this, this isn't about you. It's about your heavenly Father who wants to, to choose to work through you. So this isn't a story about Moses, just like this isn't a story about you. This is a story about God working in you. So here we start with Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. And here's what he says. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. And the Israelites groaned. They've had 430 years of slavery. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and they cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery, it went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and he was concerned about them. It's got nothing to do with Moses. It's got everything to do with God. It's got everything to do with how God wants to teach and take care of and bless and honor his people. Friends, the sooner you learn life is not about you, the freer you're going to be. It's not about you. It wasn't about Moses. It was about God coming to do something great. Now we got the bush story next. We all know the bush story, right? The burning bush, the bush is on fire, doesn't burn up. Is anybody, everybody, how many of you know the bush story? Okay, that's good. You went to Sunday school. All right, let's look at this. Exodus chapter 3. Here's the bush story that everybody knows. All right. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. I think this is funny. I've missed this for years. Moses is so poor, he doesn't even own his own sheep. He doesn't even have his own flock. Moses, friends, he's gone like from a brain surgeon there's nothing wrong with working at Circle K. So if you work at Circle K, don't send me an email say, I work at Circle K. But it's a little weird for somebody who's been trained in Ivy League schools like Moses has to be the next commander of Egypt who's had special forces training. It's like a brain surgeon that's like pumping gas. He's now out here doing mindless work. He's not really engaged in anything that he was trained to do. He's tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, Western Iran, that's where, that's where Midian is, Western Iran. And he led the flock to the far side. Why the far side? I want to get away from people. I'm a failure. I don't want to connect with people. I don't want people around me. I've made some great mistakes. I'm going to hide from people. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. Now, friends, the big deal here is not that the bush was on fire. This is the desert. Spontaneous combustion took place all the time in the desert. The deal was this bush wasn't burning up. Bushes all the time caught on fire in the wilderness, but this bush didn't go out. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush doesn't burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Now, it's been 40 bad birthdays. And all of a sudden, God shows back up. This should be a great moment. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. I mean, I mean, it's like, I don't know if that's sarcastic. I don't know if that's, I don't know what that means. But here I am, okay? Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, what made the ground holy? God. The ground was just the ground until God showed up. But when God showed up, the ground became holy, didn't it? Then God said, I am the God of your father. 
Well, now, wait a minute. You've been silent for about 430 years. You've left me hanging for about 40 bad birthdays. I'm not really sure who you are. I'm not really sure you're engaged in my life. I'm not really sure that I'm, I'm, I'm digging this. But he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, you would think, because this dream was within Moses, you would think, because Moses knew he was the deliverer, you would think Moses would be doing backflips, right? Well, he's 80. You would think he'd be clapping and jumping and, and, and high-fiving you know, an angel, right? But no, look at the very next verse. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses had made some mistakes. God must be done with me. I probably am disqualified from productive service within the kingdom. I've probably made way too many mistakes. And so Moses begins to hide himself. And so I I just want to share a principle. Well, let's look at verse 7 and 8 first. Go go to 7 and 8. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. See, this isn't about Moses. Just like your life really isn't about you. God has people in your workplace that he wants to reach. God has people in your school that he wants to reach. God has people in your community that he wants to reach. And all the time, he wants to use you. We tend to think life's about us, and we kind of miss the point that life's really about what God is doing. I've seen the misery of my people. I've heard their crying because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. Then verse 8 says this. So I've come down. I, God, have come down. It's not a story about Moses. I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and a spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of all those ites. And all those ites live in the land, okay? We'll just leave it as ites right there, all right? God's come down to rescue them. Now, here's the principle that we're going to introduce, and we're going to dance around this table for a couple times today. Here's the principle. You are delivered from, so you can be productive for. You are always delivered from something. God is always in the delivery business, and he delivers you from your bondage and from your pain and from your past. God's always delivering you from something, so you can be productive for The goal, again, is not about you. It's about what you can do for him. And so, Moses, I'm going to deliver you. I know you've had 40 really bad birthdays. But I've come to deliver you because I need you to do something for me and for my people. It's exactly the same with you. Jesus Christ, God, comes to you again and again and again. And he comes to deliver you. And he comes to set you free. And the blood of Jesus Christ comes to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. And he wants to set you free. And he wants to set me free. Why? So you can be productive. So you can produce for his church and for his kingdom. Well, look at verse 9. Verse 9 says this. And now, again, this is why this isn't about Moses. This is a story about God. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Verse 10. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And verse 11 says this. Well, wait, 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 wait a minute, God. Wait, wait, who am I to do this? You see, what happens is Moses is in bondage. And even though God has come to set him free, he's not free. And because he's not free, he's not excited about being productive for God. 
And we could talk about bondage for the next half an hour. We could list 150 things that people are in bondage to. You can be in bondage to alcohol. You can be in bondage to anger. You can be in bondage to bitterness. You can be in bondage to control. You can be in bondage to unforgiveness. We could list 150 things, couldn't we? We, we get this. We could all be, we, we've all struggled with something. And when you're in bondage, you can't be, you're not delivered. And when you're not delivered, you, you can't go forward with passion and with confidence. And so Moses is going, wait, 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 wait a minute. I don't know about this whole delivery thing. I, I, mean, I mean, who am I? I've been out here wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. I've made some colossal mistakes. I killed a man. I ran away from my people. I abandoned my post. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I was to do that 40 years ago. Look at the next verse. So God said, all right, let's talk about this. I'll be with you. And this will be a sign to you that as I who have sent you, when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, well, I'm, I'm not convinced. Suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, see, what's he doing? The what ifs. And every time you do the what ifs, and every time you start bargaining with God as to why you shouldn't be productive, you've just entered into a dead-end street. But how many of us have done that and we still struggle with that? Well, what if they find out about my past? Or what if they really knew what I was like? And what if I, you know, I'm teaching those middle school boys and, and they ask me a question that I don't know? What if I get embarrassed? What if, what if, what if? And God said, oh, I am delivering you from your bondage so you can be productive for my kingdom. Well, suppose I go to them and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, well, what is his name? And I mean, what am I going to tell them? I love verse 14. Verse 14 is one of the coolest verses in the entire Bible. Here's how God responds. You want to know who's going to send you? You want to know who I am? I am who I am. I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you. Now, that doesn't make good grammatical sense to us, right? But I am that I am is the name Jehovah. Say Jehovah. Say Jehovah. And Jehovah means the self-existent one. You tell everybody the self-existent one has sent you. I am that I am. I have been, I will be, and I always will be. And the name Jehovah specifically means ever-revealing. I am the one who is always revealing. I am the one who brings revelation to the table. I am the one who reveals truth. I am the one who reveals light. I am the one who reveals clarity. I am the revealer of direction. Moses, you tell the elders of Israel that the great revealer has come. I am the self-existent one. And that is just an awesome declaration from our Heavenly Father. That's what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, that's God right there. Verse 15, it says this. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And you shall call me this from generation to generation. Look at verse 16. So go. I've delivered you from so you can be productive for go. Go to the elders of Israel. Say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, has appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He appeared to me and he said, I've watched over you and I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. 
And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing. I got something better for you. I always have something better in store for you. And the reason that you want to receive the delivery from your heavenly father is because your heavenly father has a better package for you than your bondage. Your bondage pales in comparison to the package that your heavenly father has in store for you. I got this land of milk and honey I'm going to give to you. And this is your father. Your father is going to deliver you from whatever it is you're still struggling with. Whatever Red Sea you're still bumping up against, your Father can and will deliver you from that so that you're into the land of milk and honey. And the land of milk and honey is where you're working with God, God's working with you, God's working through you. You've got this peace that passes human understanding. You know that you know that you know that you're square and in the center in the middle of God's will. Verse 18. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt. And you say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let's take a three-day journey. And Moses is struggling, just like some of you. See, some of you were raised in Sunday school. Some of you were raised in church. Some of you were raised Sunday morning, Sunday night. Some of you were raised even Wednesday nights. How many of you were raised in a church home like that? You went to church all the time, whether you wanted to or not. You went, Right. And some of you are struggling in this room because you really don't know the scriptures and you really don't know much about church world. And you think, gosh, I got to know more. And the ones who know more that made all these mistakes, they're going, I should have lived better. And those of you that don't know as much think, if I just knew more, I'd, I'd be in a better standing with God. And yet your heavenly father's come to deliver you. Moses knew he was favored. The whole birth of Moses was a miracle. They were killing the baby boy. They, they were to kill the baby boys, but these two midwives didn't do it. And so Pharaoh said, if it's a girl, let her live. It's a boy, throw him in the Nile. And they were killing all the baby boys. Moses' mother refused to do that. Moses' mother kept the boy and at age three months when she couldn't like, control him any longer in his cries. She puts him in a basket, covers it with tar and pitch, and she sends that basket down the Nile River. Now, mothers, can you imagine the faith and the courage that took in a crocodile-infested river to send your baby boy down into? And not only did Moses know that was a miracle that he didn't drown or get eaten by a crocodile, but his own sister's walking the bank, and his own sister's right there. And then Pharaoh's daughter just happened to be bathing, and Pharaoh's daughter pulls him out of the water, and she says, oh, it's a Hebrew child, and she had pity on him. And the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, do you want me to go get one of those Hebrew women who can nurse him? And Pharaoh's daughter said, well, yeah, that's a great idea. Moses knows he's been raised in the Ivy League Special Forces train of Egypt. And he knows that he was raised by his mother and his father in the values of the Judeo-Hebrew culture. He knows that. And for 40 years, 40 birthdays, he's struggling. How long have you struggled? How long have you wrestled with your past? You see, Jesus Christ has come to set you free. He's come to set you free. Well, Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 8 say a couple more things about this. 
Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will free you from being slaves to them. This is like foreshadowing Christ. This is all the things that Christ does. It's almost a foreshadowing of the Messiah. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you up to the land that I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. So how does this apply to you? How can you take what we've said today and put some teeth to it and actually go forward just a little bit? I want to give you two pieces of application this morning. You're only supposed to usually give one, but you're a smart church. And you're no longer hungry, so we can do this together. Okay? Here's the first one. Put the first one on the screen if you would. Let's talk about being delivered. You see, you've been delivered. If, If you've given your life to Jesus... You've given your life to Christ. You've been delivered. But you're still in the process of being delivered. It's almost what Philippians says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, which says, work out your salvation in fear and trembling. I am saved, but 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 I'm still trying to find my place and my my freedom and how I go forward in life. You have been delivered. If you've given your life to Christ, you've been delivered. But I guarantee you, God is still working in you and on you to deliver you, to set you completely free so you can be more productive. Yesterday uh, afternoon, we had a guy over to our house, and he was helping me with something. And and um, we were kind of around our, our a little island in the kitchen and talking. And and um, he began to tell us his story. It's a fascinating story. And, and uh, he... Raised in Ocala, raised by great parents, godly parents. I think they were deacon. He was dad. Daddy was a deacon for you know a hundred years of the church. And mother was a Sunday school superintendent and teacher. And just great prayer people. Just good good country folks, but church folks. And he was raised in that church environment. And he said when he went to college, then he discovered marijuana. And he said marijuana for him, and he says marijuana is the gateway to all other drugs. I don't know this. Never smoked pot. However, when the Patriots are beating the Colts by about 30 points, I've considered it. (laughs) That's another story. That's a joke, all right? Sort of, sort of, all right? But the, the, the point is, the point is, he got hooked on marijuana which then led him to the next drug, to, to the next drug. And all the time, he's an incredible businessman. He owned four different companies, had over 100 employees, made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, lost a lot of money, made a lot of money. And then he got hooked on crack. And then he had a four-and-a-half-year bout with crack. And he said, for 25 years, he said, I've struggled with a drug addiction. And one day... In his living room, he's walking through his living room, and there was a TV preacher on who said, have you lost favor with God? Do you feel like you've lost favor with God? And he said the Holy Spirit just reached out from the television and just grabbed him by the heart. He goes to church. He goes to a church, walks the aisle, confesses his sins, asks the preacher to pray for him, asks the preacher to, to pray over him, and he's just bawling like a baby. And so he's been clean now from all drugs and alcohol for 12 and a half years. And he would tell you 
that it was your he- it's my heavenly Father who has delivered me. But here's the best part of the story. The best part of the story is he was delivered from so he could be productive for. And now guess what he does? He has a prison ministry. He says, by the grace of God, he didn't go to prison. But he goes and he teaches every Wednesday morning, has this huge crowd of pr- prisoners. I guess it's a captive audience. But anyway, he has this huge crowd of prisoners. And he's preaching to them. And there's a whole worship team there. And, and, and he borrows all our stuff. And like last week when Tom preached, he borrowed, you know, Tom's stuff. And he goes to the prison and he preaches Tom's stuff. And he's, he said Tom's wasn't as good as Jonathan's. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But, but, but anyway, he uses all our stuff. And he's in the prison. He's been delivered from so he can be productive for. And he's sharing the gospel with all these prisoners and these inmates who are giving their lives to Christ. So you've been delivered from something. And you are being delivered from something. Here's some scripture verses that support that. Second Corinthians says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. Those are my bondages. I'll boast about my bondages so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And we all know Philippians chapter Let me do one more. For to be sure, he was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, yet by God's power, we will live with him and are dealing with you. And we all know the next one, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, which says what? I can do all things through Christ. What? Who gives me strength? That was pitiful. Let's do this again. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So we've been delivered. And we are being delivered. Here's the second application today I want, to, I want to give to you. And that is, He has revealed and He is revealing. He has revealed, but He is revealing. Uh, yesterday again, or actually Friday, um, I, I'm, I'm not real good with my hands. i got a friend of mine, Dick E. Hall. Dick is very good with his hands. And we are finishing up an oven. We're putting an oven in my kitchen. And Dick is good with his hands. I'm average. There's no false humility. I'm just, he's good. Dick can't figure it out. Dick can't get, we can't finish the oven. We can't get it, get it completed. Parts are still there. And so Dick said, here, here are the instructions. He said, I left my glasses at home. He's 74 years old. Left my glasses at home. He said, can you read this? And so I don't know, how many of you in the room do not use uh, instructions or directions? How many of you do not do that? Okay, how many of you, like me, are dependent upon instructions and directions? Yeah, you are God's holy people right there. <laughs> so, so I'm reading through the directions. I'm reading through, trying to make sense out of all this. And, and I, I literally stick my head in the oven and I say this to God. I'm preaching on Jehovah ever revealing on Sunday. I'm inside the oven and it's reverberating inside the oven. I said, Jehovah, reveal to me how to finish this. I don't know how to do this. Right then, right then, I don't have the skills to do this. God revealed to me something very small, but how to finish and how to fix the oven. It was wonderful. This is what God does. His name is Jehovah. Where in your life do you need him to reveal truth to you a relationship to you? A, a boss, a co-worker, an aging parent. I need help. Reveal to me what to do with my aging parents. Reveal to me what to do with this child. Reveal to me what to do with my business. You have Jehovah at your fingertips. 
He has revealed and he is revealing life and things to you. So here's what I want you to do right now. I'm going to put both of these on the, on the board and I want you to pick where you are. What's next for you? If you're not a Christian, if you've never given your life to Christ, you're not free. You're not delivered. You got sin and guilt and shame all over you. You're not free. So if you're not a Christian, the place for you is to become delivered in Jesus Christ. But maybe you are a Christian, but you're still struggling with you fill in the blank. So Lord, today I want to be free. I've been delivered for my salvation, but I want to be delivered for production and for life. He has revealed himself to you. But where is he going to continue to reveal himself to you? And how is he going to continue to reveal himself to you? And then we're going to sing. And while we sing this, we're not a slave to fear. It's our theme song for this month. We're not a slave to fear. We're a child of God. We're going to sing this and mean it and apply this to our lives. Why don't you stand, sing, and we'll worship together.